Welcome to the Love and Context Podcast, engaging in unscripted conversations with your hosts, Ben and Spencer. Whether you're tuning in from your car, your office, your home, or anywhere in between, we are so happy to have you join us today. Our mission is simple, to explore the Bible through a powerful lens of love. Together, we'll uncover fresh insights and gain deeper understandings of how we can love God and love the people in our everyday lives. So buckle up and join us on the spiritual journey as we discover timeless wisdom that is just as relevant today as it was thousands of years ago. Without further ado, let's dive right in. Welcome once again to the Love in Context podcast. Uh, I'm Spencer. I'm not Ben. I'm Ben. I'm definitely not Spencer. Yeah. Um, I was actually having a, your wife and I were talking the other day and uh, <laughs> for some reason I thought you were talking to the no. people were, that are listening to like your wife and I were talking like somebody's going to be real freaked out no, when you no. say that. No, your wife and I were talking the other day and the question came up of like, how are you and Ben friends? And like, and really what it came down to is like, well, you both like to, she was like, you both like to talk theology. And like, that was like all that she had. That's it. And I was like, I was like, well, there's other things we like too, but yeah, I mean, I, yeah. well, I can think of a few things. Yeah. We both like eating hot dogs oh, around yeah. campfires. Do I like eating hot dogs? <laughs> like you eat this, this guy eats so many hot dogs. Like, so he was, he told me this at one point where he's like, he's like, yeah, like I will just like eat a bunch of hot dogs. So I brought brats to his house once and, uh, and he ate, I think it was like six. So well, there's more to this story. No, there's not. That's literally all there is to the no. story. Oh, you're right. There is a there is more to that story. You also ate like an entire like mm-hmm. thing of dried mangoes. So Ben brought the two things over to my house that I have no self control around, which is hot dogs roasting over a fire. No self control. I will eat those all day, and I did eat like six in a bag of dried mangoes. I'm gonna ask Tara to make me a, uh, like a comic uh, so we can uh-huh. put it on a t-shirt. That's like you with your beard, like with hot dogs and like dried mangoes, uh-huh. just like stuff smeared all over your face. Oh, yeah. It's going to be like, I have no self-control. Yeah. Yeah. When it comes to hot dogs <laughs> and dried mangoes, it's like, man. Oh, man. That's that's going to be an only for you shirt, but other people can buy it if they want. They're going to be like, <laughs> what? I don't get it. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah. But so, if you're here with us, you know that we're in the book of numbers, and uh, you know that these intros are getting more and more ridiculous as mm-hmm. we go on because mm-hmm. we get more and more loopy. Oh, yeah. Uh, last week was fun. We had yeah. your dad on. We did. That was a lot of fun. We did. He was great. Yeah, he was, uh, I was talking and I was like, I should definitely let him close out this episode because really? he's got a lot of good things to say. Oh yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Honestly, I was like, I should be talking less and letting him talk more, but I know it's like not necessarily, you're supposed to have the guests come on and, and talk through your entire podcast, yeah. you know, like you ask some questions and mm-hmm. things. So yeah. Um, we're, uh, going to be in numbers 22 to start with. Through uh, which which chapter are we going through? I think you said twenty five. Twenty five, yeah. So there's we're going to be covering the story of a guy by the name of Balak and Balaam. And Spencer likes to point out that I spelled his name wrong, and I said depends on who you ask because it wasn't originally written in English. So hmm. I'm just saying, just saying. So if you remember last week, we talked about the bronze serpent and yeah. Israel openly complaining to God. Mm-hmm. There's like, hey, we're not having it. He removes his hedge of protection, and then these snakes come out. And then there's this bronze snake that they have to look at to um, be saved every time that they would be bitten. Mm-hmm. Then out of that, they go and they actually uh, go and get into a couple of fights, mm-hmm. taking over some places that they need, need to go and attack. And they just, they completely trust in God and they just throttle them, right? Mm-hmm. Like they're completely unstoppable. And just a reminder, who are these people? They're newly emancipated slaves. Mm-hmm. 
very little combat experience. Yeah. And yet these these places that are like combat powerhouses are just getting their butts handed to them. Mm-hmm. Why? Not because of them. Yeah. Because of God. Mm-hmm. The Amorites actually were known to have some of the strongest warriors yeah. of the time. Uh, and because of God, Israel went in and just demolished them in battle. So they come and then there's this guy by the name of Balak mm-hmm. who hears that the Israelites are in Moab and that they're they're on travel to the plains of Moab and they're camping at the uh, Jordan, right? Yeah. And he saw all that they had done to the Amorites. Well, well, here's the deal. Balak had just been terrified of the Amorites because the Amorites had been like handing him his butt for years. Mm-hmm. And then here come these upstart people who just completely wail on the Amorites. Mm-hmm. Now, if a bully beats up your bully... That makes you nervous of the new bully. Uh-huh. Right? Like, so you, you'd be a little bit nervous about these guys. Mm-hmm. Like, understandably, you're like, hey, the these guys just wailed on the people that I've struggled against for years. Mm-hmm. Like, they, they didn't even break a sweat. Yeah. So he goes, and he and it says that uh, Moab was terrified because there were so many people. Mm-hmm. Indeed, Moab was filled with dread because of the Israelites. The Moabites said to the elders of Midian, this horde is going to lick up everything around us as an oxalus of the grass of the field. So Balak, son of Zippor, who was king of Moab at this time, sent messengers to summon Balaam, son of Beor, who was at Peor, near the Euphrates River, in his native land. Balak said, A people have come out of Egypt. They cover the face of the land and has settled next to me. Now come and put a curse on these people, because they are too powerful for me. Perhaps then I will be able to defeat them and drive them out of the land, for I know that whoever you bless is blessed, and whoever you curse is cursed. Okay. Foreman has some great teaching on this, so I'm just going to once again reference Aleph Beta. I think that is definitely worth checking out. Once again, a reminder, uh, Foreman is an Orthodox Jew, so he's not necessarily going to connect to Jesus, uh-huh. but his understanding of Torah is really good. Yeah. He uh, makes a lot of connections between Balak and two different figures in the Bible. Uh, one is Jethro, which I find is a really interesting thing because uh, it's it, he's at Zippor. And by the way, the only other time we saw the name Zippor mm-hmm. was Moses' wife by the name of Zipporah, mm-hmm. right? Uh, from the same Hebrew roots. And Jethro comes to Moses after they have just exited Egypt. They've come to a new land. And he says, look at all that the Lord has done. He recognizes God's hand in everything, mm-hmm. right? And uh, he compares this this idea of uh, Jethro and Balak, but then he also goes and he compares Balak back to Pharaoh. Because what is Balak actually concerned about here? Like some of these things, do they sound familiar? He says, uh, people have come up, uh, cover, they cover the face of the land. They're numerous. They're so numerous. They're going to eat everything and they're going to be able to overpower me. Mm-hmm. So it's not like anybody else's concern we've seen in Torah. So Pharaoh back in Exodus who lived in Egypt had that concern. Right. Um, uh, he's like, wow, these, uh, these, those Israelite people or these Hebrews at the time, they are just growing so numerous right? that like we can't contain them, can't control them, right? It was a fear factor of like, we're going to lose everything we have because they're just going to wipe us out. Right. And so he says, let's deal shrewdly mm-hmm. with them. Yeah. And ultimately ends up with them being in captivity. But the whole thing is that they're trying to manipulate it. Now, the invitation that For- uh, Foreman talks about is the invitation for Balak is, are you going to engage Israel like Jethro, yeah. where he says, I see God's hand and we rejoice and we're happy for you. Mm-hmm. Or are you going to see God's hand like Pharaoh did and try to oppress and deal shrewdly? Now, Mm -hmm. if you've read the story, you know where it's going to go. But the invitation is there that is Balak going to be Jethro or is he going to be Pharaoh? Mm -hmm. And uh, I would actually argue that we get that invitation a lot. Oh, we do. Every day. 
Like when we run into something and we see the hand of God on someone, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. Are we going to try to deal shrewdly to manipulate for ourselves or are we going to elevate what we see God doing in someone? Yeah. Mm -hmm. A lot of armchair theologians like to throw stones at people who aren't doing, who are doing active ministry. Mm -hmm. Right? Mm -hmm. People who are actually on the street loving people. Right? I think about, um, I think about your sister actually, Mm -hmm. you know? And, uh, and your brother-in-law, like they're on the street, loving people, inviting them into their house, feeding them. Like when you step back and you're like, Hey, you have some bad theology and that makes you, you know, ineffective in ministry. Like, listen, if you're, if you've never been on the street feeding somebody, you have no position to talk. Mm -hmm. Right. That doesn't mean you're necessarily even wrong, but it needs, means that you need to walk in their shoes and understand like the position of the gospel, which is to actually love people before you actually have commentary on it. Mm -hmm. Well, ministry is so much more relational than it is programmatic. Yeah, um, and we we've gotten away from that. Um, we've where where we at least in America. Uh-huh. Um, I want to be specific there, but at least in, in America, we've we've shifted to what's the programs we offer, right? Right. Like, what are the events you do? And it's like, well, the events are nothing if you don't have relationships. Like, if you don't have solid relationships with people in your community, uh, if you if you're not out there reaching the people who need to be reached. Events mean nothing. Like it's it, um, it's not a build it and they'll come thing. That doesn't work. Uh-huh. It's Jesus's command actually in uh, Matthew twenty eight is go, which is we often focus on the go and make disciples part. We need to also rewind one verse where Jesus is like, I've been given all power and authority. Uh-huh. Now you say now go make disciples, and by the way, I'm going to be with you while you do this. Right, right. So you're not going out on your own. You're going with Christ with you. Right, Christ exactly. And so this this invitation mm-hmm. is uh, when you see God at work, mm-hmm. your invitation is: Are you going to recognize it and elevate it, or are you going to try to deal shrewdly against it? Now, I think that the tendency is we try to discredit a small piece of what somebody does, and then try to discredit the whole. Mm-hmm. When Israel comes out of Egypt, they weren't perfect. Mm-mm. In fact, Jethro actually made a comment to Moses. He says, "Hey, you can't adjudicate all these rules." Mm-hmm. Like, can't do it. So clearly everything wasn't running smoothly at that point. Mm-hmm. But Jethro saw the hand of God moving. Mm-hmm. I think the invitation for us a lot of times is when we see the hand of God moving, we draw that out of people. So there, there is this invitation, right, that you've been talking about. Um, and sometimes what we want is we want ministry to look perfect. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't look that way. Um, and the reality, that's just the reality of it. And... Uh, Two, two things kind of stand out before we jump too much further in this is one, have you ever asked yourself what were Moses's qualifications to lead a nation? No, I have not asked myself that. Okay. But like, um, but like, but they weren't grand. They weren't grand. I mean, I mean, you could argue that he was raised by both, uh, in Hebrew culture and Egyptian culture. So we would have had better education. So in that, um, aspect, aspect yeah, he was the most qualified. Yeah. He was the most qualified of an enslaved nation. Yeah, right. Like, but there was still an enslaved nation. Still an enslaved nation. And like, if you were to look at Moses' resume, you'd be like, eh, this might be a little weak for this, right? Right. But God said, this is who I want. Okay. The other thing that kind of stands out to me here is ministry is meant, when we are leaning into the work that the Lord has for us, it is meant to drive us to places where we are trusting him and it's going to feel uncomfortable. Right. Um. And so a lot of times when I see churches who are like, we have it put together, our programs, and they're living in this comfortable space, I'm like, 
to me, it's actually a bit of a red flag where I'm like, are you actually, are you actually doing the work of the Lord? Are you actually putting yourself in a place where you're like, Hey, we don't know how this is going to work, but we're going to trust that the Lord's going to provide that he's going to lead. Well, and with that, have you ever run into a group of people where they're like, Oh, we agree about everything. I was like, that's weird. Yeah. Like it feels like maybe everybody's not allowed to have an opinion if everybody agrees about everything. Yeah. Now I think if a church comes together and like we, we are round, if a church comes together and they say, we rally around fundamental things, Uh loving God, loving other people, following Jesus, figuring out how to live in harmony with each other, even when we disagree. Yeah. Like those are things you can get behind, but if someone's like, oh yeah, no, we agree on everything. And I think sometimes the, uh, the dogmatic nature of the church is we want everybody to theologically think the exact same thing all the time. And that's just not going to happen. No. Like we go to a Pentecostal church. You're not from a Pentecostal background. You're from the free Methodist. Mm-hmm. I, I'm from a Southern Baptist background guys. And I go to a Pentecostal church. Mm-hmm. Uh, that makes me a Baptocostal if you're keeping track. That's a pretty good phrase. I was going to say, is that a thing? Well, I actually went to a non-denominational church in uh, college. So I actually call myself a non-Baptocostal. Non-Baptocostal. Yeah. 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 I, I've, I've been a part, I've been a part or have helped out churches that have been free Methodist, Foursquare, Nazarene, Baptist, Assembly of God. Mm-hmm. I've even done work with Catholic church before too. Right. Yeah. So what we do mm-hmm. is we go and we look for Jesus and we mm-hmm. elevate that. Yeah. There are always going to be in every church that I go into, there's going to be things I disagree with. Oh yeah. Right. So what I'm supposed to do as a follower of Jesus is I go and elevate Jesus. Mm-hmm. I teach people to obey what he commanded, not what I think about what he commanded. Mm-hmm. Oof, yeah. Man, I feel like I'm preaching to myself now. Yeah. So this invitation to Balak is, are you going to be a Jethro? Are you going to recognize the hand of God and elevate them? Yeah. Like, cause he could have just said, hey, Israel, I see what God is doing with you. Why don't you come over here? We'll bless you on your way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's how he does. No. Instead, he goes and gets a guy by the name of Balaam. Mm-hmm. It actually says here, for I know that whoever you bless is blessed and whoever you curse is cursed. Mm-hmm. Now let's play that lovely little game of where have I heard this before? Genesis chapter 12, anyone? Sorry, I was going to answer that I started laughing. Yeah, no, it's, well, I mean, but you know, you, you've heard it before, right? And by the way, guys, this is why, you know, your Bible is really important. Mm-hmm. Like it's not an accident. Like, so whether or not Balak actually says this, uh-huh. We take, ascribe Moses's authorship. Mm-hmm. When Moses writes this down, he wants you to connect it back to something that's happening in Genesis. Yeah. Right? So the authors are trying to drive you to to this statement that whoever bless, blesses blessed and whoever you curse is cursed. Now, pe- we know that God is the one who put the blessing, yeah. that whoever blesses them is going to be blessed and whoever curses them is going to be cursed. It's mm-hmm. not dependent on who is giving the curse, but who's actually receiving it. Mm-hmm. That if Israel receives it, it's going to curse the other person. Mm-hmm. This actually has a couple other implications as well, because one is oftentimes we take on the role of, okay, are we're going to bless and curse. Mm-hmm. And it's like, actually, no, God's the one who blesses. Right. 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 And uh, and even though through the first part of Genesis, you don't see God cursing, and it does mention that God will curse in Genesis 12, right? Um, so God's the one who blesses. He's the one who curses. And the question is, are we actually working with those people who God has blessed? And more to your point, putting yeah. God on display. Yeah. Because up to this point in Torah, we've talked about it's their job to put God on display, the law, to put God on display, the royal priesthood, to put God on display, yeah. the way they love, to put God on display. Yeah. Why? Mm-hmm. So that when people bless them, they're going to be blessed because they're brought into the kingdom of what God is doing. Yeah. Right? Their job is to be a conduit of that blessing from God to humanity. That when yeah. people interact with it, they go, 
wow, there is a different way to live. And I personally believe this is part of the reason that Paul, when he's, when he, in his writings, when he's like, who am I trying to please, God or man? Right. Right. Like he's like, no, I'm going to serve the God who blesses and curses. I'm not going to, uh, I'm not here for the approval of man. All right. So we're going to go into a section of scripture here and I'm going to start asking questions and I'm going to do a lot of, where have I heard this before? Mm Mm-hmm. And you're going to kind of help the listeners along because we've discussed this a little bit. Okay. Answers the Bible. That's funny. Actually, that's really funny. (laughs) So, okay. So the elders of Moab and Midian left, taking with them the fee for divination. Okay. So they're bringing money. Mm -hmm. When they came to Balaam, they told him what Balak had said. Spend the night here, Balaam said to them, and I will give report back to you with an answer that the Lord gives me. So the Moabite official stayed with them. God came to Balaam and asked, who are these men with you? Right. So first off, we want to point out God not afraid to interact with Balaam. Mm Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. Balaam said to God, Balak, son of Zippor, king of Moab, sent me this message. A people that has come out of Egypt covers the face of the land. Now come and put a curse on them for me. Perhaps then I will be able to fight them and drive them away. Mm-hmm. Now God says to Balaam, do not go with them. You must not put a curse on those people because they are blessed. Okay. So what was God's answer to Balaam? Uh, no curse. Okay. So if, uh, if I was to play out... Um, son and daughter or a daughter and father relationship and Denver comes to you and she says, dad, can I have a cookie? You just said no. Okay. Okay. Cause we're going to come back to that. So the next morning, Balaam got up and said to Balak's officials, go back to your own country for the Lord has refused to let me go with you. Okay. Pause. Is that what God said? No. It says that the Lord has refused to let me go. God didn't say anything about not going. He said, you couldn't mm-hmm. curse. Mm-hmm. Okay. This is why it's important to see this. So verse 14, So the Moabite officials returned to Balak and said, Balaam refused to come with us. Okay, is that what Balaam said? No. Once again, not what he said. He said that the Lord has refused to let him go. Now, one of the things that Foreman points out is in the Hebrew, the implication is that uh, the words that are being used, Balaam is telling them that he could be persuaded Mm -hmm. to go. Mm -hmm. He's asking for a little something, something, Mm -hmm. right? And it's evidenced by what actually ends up happening next. It says, then Balak sent other officials more numerous mm-hmm. and more distinguished than the first. So he, now he's sending his fancy pants army to go with them. And he's okay. <laughs> that 20 bucks wasn't enough. Let's send a hundred now. Right. Exactly. See that work. So it says, they came to Balaam and said, this is what Balak son of Zippor says. Do not let anything keep you from coming to me because I will reward you handsomely and do whatever you say. Come and put a curse on those people for me. But Balaam answered him, them, even if Balak gave me all the silver and gold in his palace. It's interesting he just notes that. Mm-hmm. He's still looking for a little something, something. Mm-hmm. Uh, I could not do anything great or small to go beyond the command of the Lord my God. Now that really sounds really good, but the whole point of bringing up all the silver and gold, mm-hmm. like the only reason you bring that up is so Balak might be thinking, right? Mm-hmm. But now... Mm-hmm. Spend the night here so that I can find out what else the Lord will tell me. That night, God came to Balaam and said, since these men have come to summon you, go with them, but do only what I tell you. Okay. Now, daughter, father again. Dad, can I have a cookie? No. I have 20 bucks. Can I have a cookie now? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> like, no. like so, so Balaam comes in and he's coming in entreating of the God, God again. He already knows the answer. Uh-huh. Right? Mm-hmm. He already knows the answer, but he's trying to manipulate God into doing something here, mm-hmm. right? Now, Foreman is actually going to connect Balaam to another character. He's going to connect him to Abraham, which I think you already probably should see from the 
who you bless is blessed, who you curse is cursed. Yeah. Right. So it's already happened. But let's let's take a, just take some of these stories. So um, Balaam got up early in the morning. Mm-hmm. Where have we seen that before? Uh, Abraham when he went to sacrifice Isaac. Yeah. Uh, he gets up early in the morning. He saddles his donkey. Mm-hmm. Where do we see that? Again, Abraham. Same story. Sacrificing Isaac. He went with the Moabite officials and there was two of them. Mm-hmm. Interesting. So he has two guys that go with him. Mm-hmm. What happens in the story of Abraham? There's two guys that go with him. Interesting. Yeah. But God was very angry when he went. Okay. So God has given uh, Balaam instructions and he is uh, going on the road. And so God has said no or to go. Mm-hmm. And now there's an angel who's telling him to stop mm-hmm. standing in the way. I'm sorry. Which story are we talking about? Mm-hmm. Right now, some of you are going to really struggle to see this. There's a lot going on in Hebrew, which is once again, why I said you should go and check out some of the stuff from Foreman. But these, these stories are meant to uh, work in tandem with each other. So Balaam gets up and he saddles his donkey and he says, you know, you would read this and you say, well, he said that you can go ahead and go with them. Mm-hmm. but do only when I tell you. Mm-hmm. Well, God's already said no. Mm-hmm. Now Balaam is going, intending to do whatever he wants because he wants to gather for himself. Mm-hmm. So why is God angry? Because Balaam is not actually listening to the intent of God. Mm-hmm. When Abraham is uh, when Abraham is talked to by God, he says, you need to go and sacrifice Isaac. Do you hear Abraham arguing with God? No. He goes. Now he knows the character of God. He knows that God's going to be different. But he doesn't argue. He just stays, he goes and he does exactly what he's supposed to do. And the angel of the Lord comes and he stops him. This story is a little bit different in that Balaam knows what he should do. And he's trying to manipulate God anyways, which is the continuing story here. So it says here that the angel of the Lord stood at the road to oppose him. Balaam was riding on his donkey and his two servants were with him. Two servants. Once again, when the donkey saw the angel of the Lord standing in the road with the drawn sword in his hand, it turned off the road into a field and Balaam beat it to get it back on the road. Then the angel of the Lord stood in the narrow pathway between the vineyards with the walls. When the donkey saw the angel of the Lord, it passed close to the wall, crushing Balaam's foot against it. So he beat the donkey again. Then the angel of the Lord moved on ahead and stood in the narrow place where there was no room to turn, either to the right or to the left. When the donkey saw the angel of the Lord, it lay down under Balaam, and he was angry, and he beat it with his staff. Mm -hmm. Then the Lord opened the donkey's mouth, and it said to Balaam, What have I done to make you beat me these three times? He says, well, you've made a fool of me. First of all, I think it's weird that he doesn't, he's like, why is the donkey talking? You know, <laughs> like, uh-huh. um, he says, you have made a fool of me. If only I had a sword in my hand, I would kill you right now, which is ironic because that's exactly what the angel is going to do. Mm-hmm. Am I not your own donkey, which you have always ridden to this day? Have I not been in the habit of doing this? No. Then the Lord opened Balaam's eyes and he saw the angel of the Lord standing in the road with the sword drawn. He bowed low and fell face down. Mm-hmm. Okay. Once again, hopefully you're seeing the connections between the story of Isaac and Abraham and the story of Balak and the donkey. Yeah. So now Balaam said to the angel, he says, I have sinned. I did not realize you were standing in the road and to oppose me. Now, if you are displeased, I will go back. Right. Mm-hmm. So now he's acknowledging the angel of the Lord said, go with the men, but speak only what I tell you. So Balaam went with Balak's officials. Now I think it's very clear from the implication of the text in the Hebrew that Balaam had no intention of not trying to manipulate God's words. Mm-hmm. He's going to do something different now. Yeah. Because that's going to end out real bad for him. Mm-hmm. So then uh, Balaam comes to this area with Balak and Balak runs out and he's like, hey, didn't I tell you it was urgent? What took mm-hmm. you so long to get here? <laughs> I, well, literally my donkey was laying down on me and the angel Lord was trying to kill me. So, mm-hmm. you know, I got some excuses. I mean, there's some pretty good reasons. Mm-hmm. Uh, why didn't you come to me? Am I not really able to reward you? Once again, uh, Balak trying to figure out ways mm-hmm. to bribe 
Balaam to do what he wants. Mm-hmm. Well, I've come to you now, but I can't say whatever I please. I must speak only what God puts in my mouth. Then Balaam went with Balak to Kirith Huzath. Balak sacrificed cattle and sheep and gave Balaam and the officials who were with him. The next morning, Balaam, Balaam a lot of B words. Balak took Balaam to see Bamouth Baal. Man, a lot of B words. And from there, he could see the outskirts of the Israelite city. Okay, mm-hmm. now he is going to have a total of seven messages. Mm-hmm. But I want to talk about the first three because uh, Balak ends up taking um, Balaam to three different mountains. Mm-hmm. So can you pull up Genesis 22? Yeah. Okay. Got it open. So in Genesis 22, the angel actually gives uh, three different things that he says are going to, Abraham's going to be blessed by. Can you read those in the text? So Genesis 22, this is us in uh, verse 15. Then the angel of the Lord called again to Abraham from the heavens. This is what the Lord says, because you have obeyed me and not withheld your son, your only son, I swear by mine own name that I certainly will bless you. Uh, I will multiply your descendants beyond numbers, uh, like the stars in the sky and the sand on the seashores. Your descendants will conquer the cities of their enemies, and through your descendants, all nations of the earth will be blessed because you have obeyed me. Okay, so he says three things there. He says, your descendants, you're going to have a ton of them. They're going to be like Mm -hmm. stars in the sky, dust on the field, Mm -hmm. right? Uh, The second one is you're going to have conquest over your enemies. Yes, the third one is you're going to be a blessing to everybody around you. Yes. Right? So uh, at the end of Balak's first message, or Balaam's first message, listen to this. From the rocky peaks, I see them. From the heights, I view them. I see a people who live apart and do not consider themselves one of the nations. Who can count the dust of Jacob or number even a fourth of Israel? Mm-hmm. Okay. Once again, you're seeing this connection back to Abram. So then they go to another mountain. And his ending of his second message is this. There is no divination against Jacob, no evil omens against Israel. It will now be said of Jacob and Israel, see what God has done. The people rise like a lioness. They rouse themselves like a lion that does not rest until it devours its prey and drinks the blood of its victims. Has power over its enemies, Mm -hmm. right? And his third message is, like a lion, they crouch and lie down like a lioness. Who dares to rouse them? May those who bless you be blessed, mm-hmm. and those who curse you be cursed. So you're starting to see why Foreman is connecting this back to Abram, and it's very clear from the text that that the author is attempting for us to see something in Balak and Balaam that is happening back in Abraham. Yeah. What are, What are you going to do when you're confronted with the word of the Lord? Mm-hmm. Are you going to obey God and walk in His ways? like Abraham, mm-hmm. or are you going to have an evil eye and try to manipulate for yourself like Balaam? Yeah. Who are you going to be? Mm-hmm. Because your your role is to actually be a blessing to all nations. Mm-hmm. And, you know, here's the deal. If Balaam would just come and bless them without ulterior motives, what's the promise of Genesis 12? Uh, that the Lord will bless those who bless and curse those who curse. So if he's going to be blessed for blessing, man, he should just go bless the heck out of Israel, mm-hmm. right? Because, like, he recognizes, hey, God's authority is moving here. Mm-hmm. The problem is, I don't know that Balaam necessarily recognizes nor respects the authority of God. Because it continues on, and there's there's the fourth, there's the fifth, there's the sixth, and there's the seventh message, where he keeps going out and doing these different uh, blessings that were supposed to be curses. Mm-hmm. Now, uh, Foreman will actually connect Balak back to Pharaoh again 
in that Pharaoh didn't recognize God as an authority figure. Mm -hmm. And he wanted to have control over what was coming on. And so God actually sends 10 plagues for him to recognize the power and control that God has in the world. Yeah. Right. And in the story of Balak, now he has seven curses that he wants laid out Mm -hmm. that end up being seven blessings. Once again, Balak, you are not in control. Mm -hmm. Who are you going to trust? Mm Mm-hmm. But they still go and they try to manipulate Israel. Now, this ends up ending very badly for Balak and Balaam. Mm-hmm. Um, it talks about that later in scripture, and we'll talk about that at some point. But I want to talk about the people of God. Our role as kingdom of priests, as uh, Gentiles grafted into a tree, is to fulfill the same mission, that we would be a blessing to all nations. Mm-hmm. Right Through the redemptive work of Jesus Christ and powered by the Holy Spirit, we live lives that are different, meant to put God on display. Mm-hmm. Right. This is what Torah has been talking about the whole time. Yeah. And it's what Jesus is talking about in the future, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, a light that is on a hill cannot be hidden. Mm-hmm. Light, by this very definition, needs to be stuck out where everybody can see. Yeah. Right? So our job is to put on display who God is. And mm-hmm. when we do that, people are drawn to God. Mm-hmm. Right? So C.S. Lewis has that quote where he talks about uh, Jesus is the light, but it's not necessarily Jesus, the light that is what he's seeing, but that by the light of Jesus, he sees everything else around him. Yeah. Like it's, it's a really profound statement is like Jesus as light and reflected into our lives is actually going to help people actually see life. Mm-hmm. Now, John, what we talked about last week is going to say, this is the verdict. People mm-hmm. see the light and they just like their darkness, yeah. but that is their choice. Our choice is to, are we going to reflect the light or not? Yeah. And if we are, are we going to throw a bushel on top of our light? Mm-hmm. Or are we going to put it on a lampstand so everybody can see? Mm-hmm. And this is the question that is, is sticking here with Balak and Balaam. Now there is a ton of things I could have gone into here. Yeah. Right. But I think this is the most appropriate and probably the most dramatic for the Christian life that we walk. Mm-hmm. At the beginning of the story, you see Balaam and like he's clearly a guy who has communication with God. Mm-hmm. So what what's going on? Like, are you going to trust Balaam? Like you literally had a conversation with God. Are you going to trust him or not? Well, even when we're in positions of authority and ministry, we can we can exploit that. Right. Um, and so, uh, I mean. There's going to be things where people could even look at what we're doing and say, well, are they trying to exploit that? Like, we got a merch store up, right? Mm-hmm. Like, there's things like that where they're like, oh, well, they're doing this, but there's financial gain on the side of it. Um, side note, we'll be very transparent with finances. But um, there's things that you, there's things ministers do to exploit that. We read articles in the news all the time of stuff like that that mm-hmm. happens. Um, and then oftentimes we're in shock, like, why would they do that? We're like, this actually isn't anything new. You see this in Balaam, who's like, okay, this is what the Lord said, but what do you got to offer? Like, do you have something that might entice me to step into doing what the Lord hasn't, doesn't want me to do? Mm-hmm. Right? Like, dude, that, that is a little bit like too, like real. Yeah. Yeah. And there's, there's times where the Lord's like, there's times where the Lord's like, hey, don't do this. There's times where he's like, here's the direction I want you to go. There's other times where the Lord's like, hey, wait. Yeah. And what I have found in the people I know and in my life is the times where the Lord's like says, Hey, wait, where I'm like, maybe there's something I can do while I'm waiting. I had a conversation with a friend of mine and they don't listen to the podcast, so I'm not and they may listen at some point, but it's so vague, like they're not mm-hmm. gonna but they were commenting and they were talking about um they're like, Oh yeah, I have a really good marriage. But I get really flattered when specific women like send me like direct messages and blah blah like all these different things, right? Mm-hmm. I said, dude, that's really questionable because I was like, I have a suspicion you have no strong marriage. Mm-hmm. Because uh, if you're like, oh, well, 
what am I, what can I get out of this and I'm not getting out of this, mm-hmm. right? Because that's, that's a lot of what like cheating and affairs and like these things come from is they, they believe that they can get something else yeah. that they don't have in their marriage. Yeah. And it is the biggest lie in the world. Mm-hmm. If you're not getting in your marriage, you're not going to get in another relationship. Mm-hmm. It is a lie. All you're doing is you're exchanging your garbage that you have in one relationship, ripping that up and then adding to it in another relationship. Mm-hmm. You, you actually have to figure this out between two people. And to be fair, I want to I want to take a step real quick back and say that um, we're not talking about relationships where both people aren't trying, mm. right? Because like we we've talked about this in the past with divorce, like divorce happens when two people can't figure it out together, mm-hmm. right? Um, or one person will is not willing to come to the table. I was like, if the other person is not willing to come to the table and actually be in relationship, like there's not a whole lot you can do about that. Mm-hmm. Both people have to want it. Yeah, absolutely, right? absolutely. But we have this this mentality in Christendom where like. Yeah, I love God. And when something better comes along. Mm-hmm. And I know that like people would never say that out loud. But I've seen church attendance during football season. Oh, you had to go there, huh? Oh, I went. Well, because I'm, you know, you know, I'm a big, I love football. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I love football. Oh, yeah. I was like, but if it's God in football, man, there's no question. No question, right? No question. I, I remember um, there was one time where a group of us, we were going through um, is David Pratt's book, Radical. Uh-huh. Um, and um, Link in the show notes. Yeah, David Pratt's book, Radical. Um, and uh, we were going through that, and the question was asked, like, would you be willing to give up everything you have if the Lord called you somewhere else? And the amount, of, the thing that struck me in that conversation was the amount of pushback that we got from the group. Who were there like, well, it's, I mean, the Lord, I mean, there's nothing in the Bible that says who, that we can't have nice things. I was like, well, correct. There's nothing in the Bible that, that's not the point though. The point is, would you give that up if the Lord said, give that up? Yeah. It's, it's a, it's a hypothetical question. Yeah. It's a hypothetical. Like God is not asking you to give it up, but if he did. Yeah. And, but the, the thing that struck me was the amount of pushback people were like, well, that, well, I mean, this is something the Lord's blessed me with. Why would I give that up? And then, and then the perversion of words that were used to say, well, I have these nice things and the Lord's blessed me with that. So like, I don't need to give it up because it's a blessing from the Lord. Well, he gives and takes away. Right. So um, like he, you might be blessed with that in that moment, but there might be a time where he says, okay, I blessed you with that for that season of life. Now I want you to give that away. Right. Well, and it's, it's kind of like the height of hubris to be mm-hmm. like, oh, well, you know, these things are so important that God could never want me to go and do, you know, X, Y, Z. I mean, it's kind of like the height of hubris when you're like, well, I'm like the pastor of the church. Why would I clean toilets? Because Jesus washed feet. Uh-huh. That's why. Uh-huh. Because Moses fell face down whenever there were issues. Uh-huh. Like, he didn't go and be like, oh, I'm too dignified to go get on my face before God. No, there was a problem and he got on his face before God. Uh-huh. Because it needed to be fixed. Uh-huh. Right? Mm-hmm. And he cries out. Yeah. And, uh, you know, so one of the main reasons I brought up, especially like in marriage, like, like cheating relationships and those things is because if you actually take a look at, at, uh, numbers 25, all these, uh, blessings and the curses, they don't matter when it comes to, uh, Israel because, uh, the curses keep turning into blessings. So they do something else entirely. They send in a bunch of prostitutes to lead them astray and Israel falls to sexual sin and finds themselves in really bad positions. Mm -hmm. Right. Uh, which, by the way, is going to be a reoccurring theme for a lot of Israelite men, mm-hmm. right? Um, King David, Solomon. Well, it's already a reoccurring theme because you see that with Tamar. Mm-hmm. Tamar in the book of Genesis. Yep. So it's already a reoccurring theme. Hagar and Sarah. Yep. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jacob and uh, uh, Rachel and Leah. 
Uh-huh. Right? Oh, my word. That that chapter is like Genesis 30, anybody. If you want to go read it, go read it. It's just like, what is going on here? By the way, shout out to, there is a um, there is a U- YouTuber, uh, Instagram guy. His name is God's Best Friend. Uh-huh. And he does some fantastic skits. And he has one about Rachel and Leah. And it's pretty great. Oh, it's, it's hilarious. Like, where it's like, uh, yeah, it's, it's real good. So just go check that out. He's very funny. Uh-huh. Yeah. At this point in the story, this is already a reoccurring thing for Israel. And it continues to be a reoccurring thing. Which, by the way, this might be a good time to point out that, hey, Jesus has freed you of your past sin, but it still is familiar. Mm-hmm. And you need to be ultra unaware of that because because otherwise it can come back to bite you, even yes. in the midst of the season of blessing. Yes. In fact, often it's those things that we kind of find ourselves wrapped up in frequently. They get us the easiest. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. Now, ultimately, later, uh, Balaam, it's going to talk about Balaam in the Bible again. It actually talks about Balaam later in Joshua 13. Mm-hmm. And it talks about how Balaam dies by the sword when they're actually retaking the land, the Moabite land, mm-hmm. later. So when Joshua comes in and they're cleaning house, uh, Balaam actually dies at that moment. Mm-hmm. Now, once again, take a look at this entire nation and we talk about uh, this provision of God. Are you going to trust the word of God? Now, had Moab, Balak, Balaam, all these guys recognized the authority of God and responded to it, they would have had this option to say, hey, we recognize what God is doing in your midst. Mm-hmm. We're going to bless you. Yeah. And then they would receive blessing. But instead yeah. they tried to curse and they got blessed instead. Yeah. And then they tried to lead them aside to sexual sin. Mm-hmm. And a lot of the things that the Moabites were doing were deplorable. Mm-hmm. Like we're not going to get into it, but like uh, I actually think I'm going to link an episode from Marty Solomon of, of the book of Joshua because mm-hmm. it's conquest and some interesting it takes about like what was happening in the land. Mm-hmm. Like God doesn't just willy nilly tell people to go in and clean house. Mm-hmm. There's a good reason why these things needed to be taken out mm-hmm. because they were awful. Uh, we've talked about the the worship of Baal. We've talked about the worship of Malek. Um, Malek, yeah, and like and how how these things actually worked. And then we're just talking about the tip of the iceberg. Mm-hmm. It gets worse. And uh, eventually, God just says enough, mm-hmm. and He has to deal with it. Mm-hmm. Just to put this in really simple terms, as a parent. Like there's things I'm willing to let my kid endure so that they can learn, struggle through. Uh, but there's also times where I'm like, enough. Yeah. We're taking that out. Yeah. Like that is no longer going to be a part of your life. Yeah. So I have mm-hmm. two boys mm-hmm. um, who are four and two. And so they uh, um, enjoy playing with each other for a minute. That's that's pretty good. Yeah. And like I, was, the, I was thinking you were going to say like 10 seconds. Or... So the bigger one has a hard time understanding how big he is. Mm-hmm. And the younger one has a trouble understanding that he's actually pretty heavy. Mm-hmm. Like he's a big kid. Both my kids are real big. Mm-hmm. And um, and so most of the time I let them kind of figure it out. And I'm keeping an eye on the older to make sure he's not hurting the younger. Mm-hmm. Right. But then occasionally my older will do something like he'll grab the younger by the neck mm-hmm. or something. And I'm like, nope, <laughs> stop. We're done. Uh-huh. Right. And I separate them because, like, now we're talking about something that could cause, like, serious damage, mm-hmm. right? Sometimes, And so God is uh, incredibly merciful. In fact, it says back in Genesis that um, God says to Abraham, he's like, this is going to be your land, mm-hmm. but you can't come and have it yet because their sin hasn't reached its full measure. Mm-hmm. It means that God still is trying to reach them. Reach them. Which, by the way, um, this is a really important thing, and I think we really want to stress because we've been going through Torah. We're talking about all nations, all these different things. Mm-hmm. God is working through one people group. This is not the only thing he was doing in the world at the time. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, it's very apparent here because we're in Numbers 22, is where yep. we spent most of the time today, and we're talking about God talking to Balaam, mm-hmm. who is not an Israelite. Correct. Who is not he- Hebrew. 
he is he was not enslaved in Egypt, yeah. right? And God was speaking to him. Yeah. So one of the things we were talking about recently, because going to a Pentecostal church, um, our our friend Pastor Nick was talking about when uh, the church goes into foreign countries. Mm-hmm. A lot of times we're like, oh well, we need to give them our church culture. No. Mm-hmm. You need to help them understand how Jesus has always been present in their mm-hmm. culture, mm-hmm. right? Uh, this is what Paul does. He says, hey, I see that you're a religious people. Let me tell you about this unnamed God, mm-hmm. right? Now, some people are really going to struggle. They're like, no, you have to blah, 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 blah. It's like, well, some things are going to be cultural mm-hmm. and some things are going to be scriptural. What we're doing is we're supposed to reveal Jesus and allow him mm-hmm. to transform people's lives. Mm-hmm. One of the issues that we had in, I'm going to say, colonial America um, Great Britain, that, mm-hmm. that time when they were sending out missionaries and stuff, is they were trying to make everywhere they went look like the British church, mm-hmm. look like the American church. Mm-hmm. Like when we go and plant churches in the Philippines, they shouldn't look like the American church. Mm-mm. They should look like the Filipino church. Mm-hmm. Rallied around the same God, the same Jesus, motivated by the same spirit, mm-hmm. but meant to reach their people. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah, and and for the Church of America, don't think we're immune to this. We're actually the number one mission field for a lot of uh, Asian uh, churches in Asia. Yeah, are sending missionaries to the West Coast in America. Yeah, like as one of their number one mission fields. So, like, if you're thinking, well, like, well, we in the Church of America have it figured out. We actually are to the point where we have other nations where Christianity is illegal, mm-hmm. where where there is no freedom of speech, stuff like that where they're sending missionaries over to us to bring the gospel. You know, it's interesting also, like uh, a lot of a lot of the American church heritage comes mm-hmm. through um, the UK, mm-hmm. which there's a ton of really good stuff that came out of there. Okay. Right? Um, but the church was in Africa long before that. Yeah. I actually heard like this guy was talking and they were talking about how uh, Christianity is a white man's religion. And this guy got up and he's from Africa. He says, Christianity was in Africa long before it was in, mm-hmm. in the UK. Christianity was in Africa long before. It was in the Middle East long before. Mm-hmm. Um, it spread to the UK actually through the Roman Empire. Right. Right. That's how it spread to the UK, but it actually didn't even get to England uh, for quite some time yeah. after Jesus' death. It is not. It is not a, mm-hmm. it is not color specific. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know if you guys, I don't know if you guys know this, but the gospel's for everyone. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. And the second that you try to make it not for everyone, you actually, um, you start to, Step on the work of Jesus. Yeah. I think one of the longest standing Christian churches in the world is actually the Ethiopian church. Yeah. yeah. That sounds about right. Probably probably from the Ethiopian eunuch, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. With that being said, like all that being said, what I'm pointing out is that God is already having a conversation with Balaam. Mm-hmm. And he's having an invitation once again with Balaam. Who are you going to trust? And this invitation also has happened with Balak. It's happened with Pharaoh. We have seen all these stories. Over and over again, God is pursuing other people. Mm-hmm. Later in the text, God's going to pursue other people. There's going to be this story of this um, guy with the skin disease that comes to mm-hmm. see Elisha, mm-hmm. right? And uh, and he bathes in the Jordan seven times and is healed. And he asks if he can if he can take some dirt so he can worship God back where he came from, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Because he thinks God is located geographically. Yeah. And Elisha's answer is super interesting because he's like, "Yeah, go ahead and take it." He doesn't try to correct his thinking. Mm-hmm. He says, whatever helps you connect to the God of the universe. Mm-hmm. Right? Now, I think that somebody could take what I just said completely out of context and way too far. Mm-hmm. But what we're trying to do is find Jesus, elevate him. Mm-hmm. Are we going to be Jethro? Are we going to be Pharaoh? Yeah. Are we going to be Abraham? Or are we going to be Balaam? Yeah. That's our invitation. Mm-hmm. 
Tori is, is starting to wrap up some of these stories next week when we talk about some of the stuff that happens on the back end. I'm going to mention a story about Gilead. I'm going to clue you in ahead of time, connect it to Genesis 31, the story of uh, when um, Jacob is fleeing Laban. Mm-hmm. These stories are connected. In, in numbers, they're wrapping up a lot of these things that have happened early on, and it's coming back full around to actually be completed. Yeah. God is showing his promises come to fruition. And it's really important. We may not get super deep into it because I always think it's really good to give you guys some uh, homework. <laughs> yeah. So I think that wraps us up for today. Yeah. Again, you can find us on pretty much any social media platform at this point. Um, YouTube, all that. We do have a merch store open. Uh, with that said, the merch store, just so you guys know, um, any money we make from the merch store, we just fund back into missions. Um, we'll cover a few expenses for the podcast because there are some expenses that go into that. Um, but outside of that, it's just getting funneled back into local missions. Um, so just, uh, just in case you're wondering where your money's going. And if that ever changes, we'll also let you know. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, Right now, honestly, the reason we put up a merch store is because we just thought it would be fun. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, next week we're going to be wrapping up the book of numbers. Mm -hmm. And so, uh, we will see here, talk to you guys at that point. Yeah. Bye. That's a wrap for today's episode. We want to extend a heartfelt thank you for tuning in and spending your valuable time with us. We hope that you found today's conversation insightful and that you take something meaningful from it. If you have questions or comments, we would love to hear from you. Reach out to us at loveandcontext at gmail.com and we will be sure to get back to you. Remember, you can always engage with our content on all your favorite listening platforms, including Apple, Spotify, Amazon, YouTube, and more. Don't forget to follow us on social media at Love and Context on Instagram and Facebook for updates. All right. Hold on. Don't all right me. I'm not all right. I'm not already. I'm like ready to roll. Ben's over here like, let me adjust my mic again. You know what? (laughs) Balak sends Balaam. You spelled Balak wrong, by the way. Depends on who you ask. (laughs) This is the part I'm going to have to edit because I'm stupid. (laughs) Because I have stupid words. Podcast, what was I saying? Please tell me. I can jump in. Please tell me, podcast. Podcast.